<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Dear Media IRL is back and we're showing up bigger, better and louder than ever. Join us on May 4th in Austin, Texas for the ultimate live podcasting experience. Watch and learn from your favorite Dear Media hosts as they bring their insightful discussions from your headphones to the stage. Get ready to be inspired, entertained and watch audio get a makeover. Tickets are on sale now at dearmedia.com slash IRL. See you on May 4th in Austin. In Texas. Hi, Dr. Casey. Hi, Pia. I'm so glad to see you. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. This is like, are you dying at how much coverage blood sugar is getting in the news right now? It's incredible. I'm so thrilled. My, my mission in life is to reverse the metabolic disease epidemic. And the fact that blood sugar is getting this much airtime is like so incredibly aligned with that. And I'm just so thrilled. They keep interviewing that one cute French girl. Jessie. Yeah. And the I glucose keep goddess. Like, yeah, the glucose goddess. And I'm like, Dr. Casey is oh. like a doctor in this field. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jessie's doing the Lord's work because yeah. she has figured out a way to make this something that millions and millions of people care about. And that is a gift. And I think science education is so important. And she has just like tapped into something that's really in the zeitgeist now. It's incredible. I feel so bad for people who I talk to or like you see or like I'll get like lots of pitches for the podcast. And it's somebody who's very talented and is a doctor or a professional in their field. And you can see that they're trying to figure out how to promote it on Instagram. And you can see there's like a hired a team to do the whole thing. And it's because it's like, you know, how are you supposed to be able to do all of those things? And it's like, unfortunately, like social media is such a huge part of like yeah. marketing, whatever it is you're doing, like whatever field you're in. Mm -hmm. But what I have to say about like levels and what you guys are doing is it's so you know what I do a lot of the time? I have, I'm not even just doing this to like, because you're here. I was going to say blow smoke up your ass. And I was like, that's so, <laughs> I was like, that's so inappropriate. I'm talking about like, <laughs> I, We're like, starting so strong. Vulgar. God. But also um, very, everyone knows exactly what you're saying yeah. when you say it. It's super clear. <laughs> I was like, be a lady, be a. I will read your, the so Levels emails, the Levels subscription is free. And I read it out loud to my mom when I get it in the morning because I get it, it comes in the morning. And so it'll be like when we're doing breakfast and coffee because my mom's mom had Alzheimer's and my mom's really getting into like, you know, I'll listen to her. She'll like listen to a podcast about preventing things, but she still hasn't changed, adjusted her lifestyle by any means. And she's 75 and I don't necessarily think she should, you know, at this point, like mm. she's willing to do 
I'm like, we're not going to do a whole life overhaul here, but I will read your recipes and your tips and like any extra notes you have from doctors that you linked a YouTube video a couple of weeks ago to sign. I had her watch that. And I was, it's just like a nice digestible way. And you give so you like hold people's hands through maintaining your blood sugar in yeah. a way that's really, it's like, it's, it's foolproof. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's literally $10 trillion of industry that would like to make it seem super complicated, right? You've got the $4 trillion healthcare industry. You've got like the $6 trillion big food industry and all of them benefit about us thinking that it's complicated to eat properly, thinking that it's complicated to manage our blood sugar. And the simple truth is that it's not. It's actually very straightforward. There's very simple strategies that everyone mm -hmm. can implement with or without a glucose monitor. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of like, I think the big secret is that it's actually not that complicated. The opening of your book describes your mom's journey. Mm. Would you talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's so important and obviously fuels what you do so intensely. Yeah, absolutely. So the book opens with the introduction, which is called Everything is Connected, which we can talk more about because I really do fundamentally believe that the future of health is realizing that everything is connected. Mm -hmm. We are not, you know, we don't we don't have siloed symptoms, diseases. We aren't these siloed parts of the body. It's all connected. And that really feeds into my mother's story, which is that she has a very typical American story that I think many of us can relate to either either in ourselves. This or is our the parents. story that like my mom describes yeah. of because, you know, her friends are starting to get sick yeah. and pass away. And and it's the, when she gets on the phone and it's like, oh, my God, what happened to so and so or somebody gets a oh, yeah. cancer diagnosis. Oh, yeah. the, your mom's story is the lead yeah. up to I mean, it's yeah. so common. Yeah. So my mom, like the most fabulous woman in the world, she was in the fashion industry in New York in the 70s, six feet tall, gorgeous, oh my like, God, so cool. oh, it's Studio 54, like having a great time, fabulous, oh, wow. had me when she was 40. So she'd had this like fabulous New York life um, and very deep, you know, just a fabulous woman. Had me when she was 40. I was a almost 12 pound baby. And everyone's like, oh my God, that's so cool. You had a huge baby, big, healthy baby. So that's just like one thing that happens when she's 40. Then she also gained like 75 pounds during pregnancy. And then it was hard to lose the baby weight. So she's in her mid forties and it's hard to lose the baby weight. She's trying everything, all the crash diets. It's not working. Late forties, she goes through menopause, very tough menopause, hot mm. flashes, mood symptoms, you know, very difficult with sleep. People say, oh, that's normal. Menopause sucks. That's the way it is. Gets into her 50s. The doctor was saying all of these things were normal. Oh, yeah, of course. Are you going to lose weight? Older, yeah. Like you got two kids. Of course, you're a little pooped and, mm -hmm. you know, hard to lose the belly fat. And, you know, I know it's rough. And menopause, yeah, it's tough. There's not much we can do. And then she gets into her 50s and her blood pressure starts creeping up. Here's an ACE inhibitor. We're going to, it's, you know, write a passage for American 200. You know, she she then goes on, gets her cholesterol back. Oh, they, they gel's low. They LDL's high. The triglycerides are high. Super normal. You know, here's a statin. 221 million prescriptions for statins. I was going to say, how many people are on a statin? Like 220. How many Americans are there? 350 million. Yeah. And a lot of those are kids. <laughs> so this is like a lot of so statins. So most adults. Most adults. Yeah. Wow. And then, you know, she's getting into her 60s. Her blood sugar is rising. Oh, yeah. It's pre-diabetes. It's a pre-disease. Here's metformin prescription that goes out 90 million times per year. 50% of American adults have pre-diabetes or type 2 diabetes. Nothing really to worry about. We'll keep We'll keep an eye on it. 72 years old, taking a hike with my dad, has some belly pain. The belly pain lasts. She has to sit down on the hike. Belly pain lasts for a couple of days. She calls her PCP. They say, oh, 
it's pretty severe and you've never had it before. Let's get a CT scan. She gets a CT scan. And later that day, she gets a text message to her phone. No, that it was says, not a text message. It was a text message. message to her phone that said, stage four, widely metastatic pancreatic cancer. 13 days later, she was dead. So that's my mother's story. And she at that time was being treated at Mayo Clinic and Stanford. Like Mayo oh, Clinic? Oh yeah, she and my family are you know, she, too, super tied into healthcare. She was getting her executive physicals at Mayo. She was you know, being seen at, at Stanford, quote oh unquote, best hospitals in the world. God. And the key thing is that when she got sick, it was like the oncologist, the radiation oncologist, the everyone, this is so unlucky. This is so unlucky. And the message I'm trying to get across to people is this is not unlucky. Luck, this yeah. was 100% predictable, mm. but not in the way that we look at healthcare right now. Because right now, we think of all those different conditions she had as separate things that need to be treated by separate medications. And everyone was basically practicing respectable medicine. Give a pill, turn a little knob on some biomarker, check, check, check. We can write the chart note. We can bill. My mom feels like she's doing something good because she's taking the pill. The doctor feels good. But the reality is, is that all those pills just turn these little knobs on biomarkers, but none of them actually did anything to fundamentally heal her cells. Mm. We don't know how to heal cells in our conventional medical system as it stands now. And the purpose of good energy is to create a framework and a reimagination of American healthcare focused on the physiologic interconnections between most of the symptoms and diseases that we're facing in America today, which are almost all linked by metabolic dysfunction, by a concept I call bad energy, which is really just three things. It's mitochondrial dysfunction, chronic inflammation, and oxidative stress. That's the trifecta of bad energy mm. and almost every disease and symptom that is torturing American lives. Children, adults, and elderly are rooted in those things. And if we could shift the $4 trillion arrow of American healthcare towards the center of the cell, towards the true root cause, towards the trunk of the tree, a lot of our suffering would just evaporate. And we'd realize that these terminal diagnoses that so many people are getting in America today, they're not unlucky. They are the natural extension of the exact same dysfunction that's leading to a lot of our more minor symptoms that mm. we deal with when we're younger. And we need to start looking at those minor symptoms. What are those symptoms. minor symptoms? It's, it's, nearly everything you can possibly think about it. PCOS. We've talked about PCOS, of <laughs> yeah. course, on our last episode, polycystic ovarian syndrome, mm -hmm. erectile dysfunction, depression. How many young anxiety. men have erectile dysfunction? 40%. <gasps> yeah. After 40, that number just goes straight up. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's Dr. Sarah Gottfried, amazing functional medicine doctor, author of so many bestselling books. She says that erectile dysfunction is atherosclerosis of the penile artery until proven otherwise. This is a blockage of the capillaries to the penis. Wow. And these are small capillaries. And so because they're small, it's often an early warning sign of essentially heart disease, cardiovascular disease. Of course, disease. that makes sense. Yeah. So I think like a really key point that people need to realize is that like, you know, all these little minor, quote unquote, minor non-lethal symptoms, the gout, the PCOS, the erectile dysfunction, the worsening eyesight, the depression, the anxiety, the migraines, the, you know, fatty liver disease. Um, Can't believe how many kids have fatty liver disease. Up to 20 to 30% of young adults now. It's it's a condition that pediatricians may have never seen in their lifetime 50 years ago. Now it is like a large percentage of children. You said that in the book, which really struck me is that the 
things that doctors see all day long in their patients are things that 50 years ago doctors wouldn't see in their entire careers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we used to call type 2 diabetes adult onset diabetes. We can no longer call it adult onset diabetes because so many children are developing it. We have 30 percent of young people with pre Diabetes. This is I was pre-diabetes totally at one point. Yeah. And I was sipping on a, I'll never forget it. I was in high school and the doctor was like, you're pre-diabetic. And I, my mom used to take me every day after school and I would either get a Diet Coke and a fry from McDonald's or we would go to Starbucks and I would get like a Frappuccino with whipped cream. And I was sipping on it. And my favorite part of the Frappuccino was the icy top and the whipped cream. And I'd mix oh, it yeah. together and I didn't play sports yeah. and I had really bad hormonal issues and I was just ballooning and ballooning and ballooning. I had raging ADD. I couldn't focus. I was so tired by one o'clock in the afternoon at yeah. school. It was like I was drunk. Yeah. It, I, it was awful. I horrible grades, whole thing. Adderall. I mean, all the prescriptions came in, but I remember the doctor looking at me and saying, you probably shouldn't have that every day. And my mom is really healthy, you know, healthy and always really small. She never had to worry about these things. But like now I think to myself and it's so hard in this country because it, it can be deemed so judgmental. Food is a very particular, very sensitive topic, but I see what people eat all day long oftentimes. And I just think, to myself besides how people look because a very thin person can be it's and, and not that thin is even better but i was like you must be so tired mm. this show is brought to you by better help a common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right but sometimes the best ones happen when both people put in the work they need to make them great But a lot of the time, it's hard for you to figure out how to do that. And having someone who can guide you through this helps you stand firm in what you want. It helps you feel better about yourself, which helps you just show up as a better person for your relationship. Therapy is really a place to work through all of those challenges that you also will be facing in your relationship. So whether that relationship is with your friends, work, significant other, or anyone really, I have benefited from therapy in my life many times. It's helping me a great deal right now. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. What used to hold me back was the fact that I had to drive oftentimes across town in traffic. It would be hours out of my day. But BetterHelp is entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash Pia. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pia. Get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Pia. Attention all travel enthusiasts. This one is for you. So I talk about Fora a lot because I truly believe in what Fora has to offer for yourself and for those who want to travel. Your love of travel can transform into your dream job, and it's very easy with Fora. If you become a Fora travel advisor, by the way, this could be anyone, you can choose whether or not you want this to be a full-time job or just an extension of your life. You can just do it part-time for some extra cash. Whether you're looking for that side hustle or a totally new career, Fora gives you everything you need to start your travel business, including all the training, 
all the tech, all the marketing tools, the community events, and beyond. So no matter where you are in your travel journey, Fora has got you covered. For the first time ever, Fora is gifting Everything is the Best listeners an exclusive offer on their Fora membership. So if you join today, you'll receive a complimentary month and get fast-tracked to skip their 80,000-person waitlist because you shouldn't have to wait to start your dream job in travel. And by the way, you don't need an Instagram following. You don't need some crazy business plan. If you have friends, if you have a kid on a soccer team, if you know anyone, you can do this job. Visit foratravel.com slash best and use code best when signing up. That is F-O-R-A-T-R-A-V-E-L dot C-O-M forward slash B-E-S-T. Outside of what's actually happening to everybody, all these people who are sick have to be so fucking tired mm. and unable to focus and get their work done. And that I, I, this, I'm like, does shouldn't everybody feel good? And I, I love that. That's why the book is called Good Energy because it just has so many meanings. Really, yeah. you know what I, I mean? I think we all want that. Yeah. Like, I think we're all feeling like something's not quite right. Uh, the globally, <laughs> but especially in this country, it's like something's not quite right. Talk to doesn't feel good. No, and My their kids are on, all yes. Yeah, everyone's have, kids are having issues and we're all just kind of like what like what's the end game here you know yeah. like literally it's just crazy like the more we spend on healthcare, the sicker we're getting mm-hmm. the more nutrition studies that get published the sicker we're getting the more gym memberships that get purchased in the u.s per year the sicker that we're getting well, think the about more, the food the food yeah like the more medical subspecialties we create we now have over 40 the sicker we're getting mm-hmm. so there's just a disconnect between like the direction we're going mm-hmm. and then like how we're doing and yeah. and every year life expectancy is going down in the united states in the like richest quote unquote most prosperous country in the world so everyone kind of knows that like something's not quite right and like you talk about how people are feeling it's so sensitive to talk about food but like a message that i have you know, is that we need to be all having a little bit of, I think, more like moral leadership about just talking plainly about what's going on mm-hmm. and not just like tiptoeing around the issue. Like, mm-hmm. like our kids are getting chronic lifestyle illnesses yeah. and they are going to live sicker, sadder, shorter lives than their parents mm-hmm. if they're born today. We as adults need to just like speak plainly. The food is poison. The mm-hmm. food is toxic. Kids shouldn't be eating ultra processed food. And that's just the reality because it's like Rome is burning. Like the, like we're getting sicker yeah. and we need to be eating r- real unprocessed organic food and feeding it to our children. Yeah. And, and I, think I, I will say that all day long. A healthy conversation about it because it doesn't mean that your kid needs to be this, you know, it's like then it becomes this uncomfortable, weird conversation. Right. But we have to teach our children moderation. Yeah. It has to be Okay. 80% of the time we eat like this. Your lunch looks like this, the one that I give you. Our dinners are like, th- and there's so many recipes that are available, yeah. especially through levels. But and, and like, sure, if we're at a birthday party and you want to have a bite, please go ahead because you can't, you know, and I think like those are the things that people feel they don't want to say no to their kids. They don't want their kids to feel different. They don't want this. But this is like a serious, <laughs> I mean, we have to be responsible for teaching our children in a smart way. A little bit of that is great. A lot of it's going to make you not feel good. We want really strong, healthy bodies, right? Okay, cool. You know, like that type of nutrition education has to start at home. It does. It does. And I think, you know, I think we need to look at added sugar and refined sugar for what it is, which is an addictive drug. 
Like that's what it is. Like, and for reasons that are fairly understandable, like the government recommends 10% of our calories can come from added sugar, even though by all metrics, by all definition of what addiction is, like sugar is an addictive, refined sugar is an addictive substance. So this is like processed refined liquid or white sugar. And, you know, I think that it's like somehow people are kind of afraid to like say that, but like it, it, we, kids can absolutely have sweet things like fruit and natural sugars and Mm -hmm. things like that. But it's, it's the, if it is, which, which, you know, you can read Rob Lustig's work and others like acting as an addictive substance, then it kind of takes it out of the conversation of moderation because it actually does like it hijacks our reward circuitry. It impairs our natural satiety mechanisms and it's intended to drive us to want more. And mm-hmm. so I think just Is that why fast food restaurants put so much of it in their food. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. we're putting sugar now in ketchup. We're putting sugar in bread. You look at the Chick-fil-A chicken, their famous chicken sandwich. It has like 10 different types of sugar in the sandwich between the bread, the chicken and the sauce and the pickles. And it's like it gets you to want more. So I think if we can look at it like that, we can realize like it's actually like if we can just favor more like natural sugars, like from fruit and things like that, like those have the fiber and they have sort of like the matrix around the sugar to make it much less of that sort of like dopamine fueled, you know, craze for it. But it's really it's it's those refined added sugars that can really kind of I like think put their fingers into our brain and get us to really be, you know, super driven. And I mean, I've been I grew up very, very overweight. I definitely had you know oh, you food did? addiction. Oh, yeah. I was like 215 pounds in eighth grade. Like I was oh, a really, wow. yeah. And I, you know, and it's so funny because it's like my family tried really hard. Like we ate dinners together. Like my mom cooked, but it was the nineties and like we oh went to God. Costco all the time. And like, we used I, to go to Costco and get the, um, croissants. Oh yeah. Oh my God. The, the palette of the croissants. Pa- and yeah. I would just take those things down. Yeah. <laughs> And the Nutella, like jumbo size. <laughs> and the ingredients in Nutella here are so much different than, than Europe. Nutella. In yeah. Europe. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, most product. By the way, a friend of mine wa- makes pasta sauce called Monty's, and it's uh, food and wine just called it the best jarred pasta sauce. And it is great. There's no sugar in it. I mean, it's amazing. But he was like, oh, I want to start making more products. I want to make them in the US because it's a U, you know, yeah. he's American Italian. He cannot he learned he called us because he was like can you guys bring me to italy to help me because he's like i have to put certain ingredients in my products to sell them here wow yeah i was actually talking at an event to a winemaker and he was saying that they are adding so much sugar to the wine which they don't actually have to list on the label and their number one most highest selling wines are the ones where they add the most sugar because the american palate is such that they're just going to buy way more of the one that's sweet versus like yeah. the more niche, like biodynamic ones. So it's just, I think, important to be aware of it. And I think, you know, one of the best things parents can do, I, I love following Kelly Levesque, you know, because she's, this, she's, she's amazing. But she has three boys and, you know, she's clearly very into like whole foods eating. But it's like, you know, in this journey towards getting off that sugar roller coaster that's, you know, going to obviously relate to behavioral issues that are make it more challenging for the parents. It's like, Focus on what you can control. So like giving protein along with, you know, if there's going to be at a birthday, if they're going to go to the birthday party and eat the cake, like, sure, fine. You don't, you know, they want to be able to do that. But like give them the like 
the grass-fed beef stick beforehand <laughs> and the hard-boiled mm-hmm. egg and the cheese and the chicken breast and stabilize the blood sugar, get off the glucose roller coaster, you know, give the the chia pudding, you know, beforehand so that there's some fiber and some fat and some protein in the belly because, A, it's going to add to satiety and stimulate our natural satiety they hormones. crazy spike and not either. have as much of the spike yeah that dry, and it's that spike that actually drive us drives us to want more so this is why you know jesse glucose goddess has, has really i think helped people get on top of this a little bit is because you know even if you're not like ready to maybe like fully give up some of these foods that that have the sugar in them it's like if you can balance out the spike it actually reduces the driving cravings and there was this amazing paper in nature medicine premier medical journey journal like about two years ago that showed that, you know, after a glucose spike, you have this glucose crash and the bigger the spike, often the bigger the crash and the crash, which is basically a result of the body releasing all this insulin in response to the spike and soaking up all the glucose out of the bloodstream, that crash, which is called postprandial, post-meal, hypoglycemia, low blood sugar, the extent of that crash is what determines how much people are going to eat in the 24-hour period after it and oh, how much they're going to wow. crave carbohydrates. And the reason is because if you're crashing, it's like a fear signal to your body. It's like, oh my I'm gosh, my blood sugar is low. I need to bring it back up to baseline. So it's actually going to like hijack your brain to basically say like seek carbohydrates and bring it back up. So really the best thing we can do is like figure out the strategies to stabilize our blood sugar. One of which, of course, is to eliminate refined grains and sugars, but another is to pair the fat, protein, and fiber with the sugar load so that it is digested slower. We have less of a glucose spike. We don't have as much of a crash and then, you know, ease the cravings the rest of the day. Element helps anyone stay hydrated without the sugar and other dodgy ingredients found in popular electrolyte and sports drinks. And I don't think you realize Unless you're really looking at those labels, there is a lot of sugar in electrolyte drinks, but we don't have that with Element. Electrolyte deficiency or imbalance can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. That's why I love Element. It is a zero sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research, revealing that optimal health outcomes occur at sodium levels two to three times government recommendations. So each pack delivers a meaningful dose of electrolytes free of sugar, artificial colors, and other dodgy ingredients. Element is formulated for anyone on a mission to restore health through hydration. It's perfectly suited for athletes, folks who are fasting, those who are keto, low-carb, whole food, paleo. Rob Wolf is the Element co-founder, and he's a former research biochemist, a two-times New York Times bestselling author, and is now sat on the Navy SEAL Resiliency Committee, which he's been sitting on for over a decade. So I think those are some pretty legit credentials for somebody selling you such an incredible product. If you go to drinkelement.com slash Pia, you can receive a free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through the URL. And I highly, highly recommend you do this because there are so many flavors that are delicious that... You don't know are delicious until you try them. Element is L-M-N-T. So when you go to drink element, drinklmnt.com slash Pia, you will receive this free element sample pack with any order when you purchase through the URL. It is totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you can give it away to a friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. I have implemented so much of that into my life. Like, like really when I look at my plate, even just now I had lunch And I got a salad and I asked if I could get a white meat chicken breast on top. 
And then I got a little bit, I got beans and rice and avocado on the side because I was like, I really need to have a little bit of like, and I, I was like, what kind of, you know, whatever it was like basmati rice. And I was like, great. And I was like, oh, this will be. And then I took a couple walks around the block afterwards. And I was like, great. I had like the carb that I want to have at lunch. I had my protein. I added some fat to it. And then I'm going to just like walk what I can for a second because I know I'm going to be sitting here. I know I was going to be in my, it's going to take me an hour to get home after this. Yeah. I worked out this morning. I start my day with apple cider vinegar. And it's like, I know that some people will be like, oh, you're doing the most. And it's like, I feel great. Yeah. I feel really good. Like I feel, I mean, I'm brain foggy because I'm pregnant, but for the most part, I'm very high functioning. Yeah. And when I think about how I felt leading up to giving birth to Carmela and how I felt afterwards and how out of whack, Mm everything was in my body I mean I would I would try to go on a walk or try to play tennis and I would get in my car and I would cry Mm. and I'd say I just feel like I'm in mud Mm. I feel like I'm in mud and I can't move I see the ball over there I have no idea how to get there like I can't move and now it's like yeah you have to put in a little bit of work if you want to feel good Mm. (laughs) like you know like we need to be able and it's just making those right choices Carmela has her stuff going on you know she has delays from a genetic mutation and we're doing everything we can but I know for sure that I we really need to focus on making sure that she has a well-rounded diet Mm. and that blood sugar spikes and her gut and all of that are contributing to all the outside work that we're putting in Mm. to complement that because and I don't ever deny her anything she had a cookie last night I this is the second fucking time. <laughs> I also give her like simple meals a lot. Yeah. Like, but I give it to her with her dinner. Yeah. It's not a reward. And we just like try to do things. But Dominic will take her out to get ice cream sometimes because that's cute. But like we don't limit things, but we don't make it this big thing either. You know, it's yeah. tough. It's a, it's culturally, this is going to be a big shift because people are sensitive about changing their lifestyles. No one I know feels good. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's gonna, there is a time I think for a lot of us that you get sick of feeling like crap. Mm -hmm. Like I I basically hit that once when I was 14. I was gonna say how old, how many times, you know, as somebody who was around that weight too, by like sophomore year, like you caught you, it's a lifelong kind of thing. So how many times did you really hit that wall? I think I've hit, I've honestly hit the wall three times mm-hmm. in my life. Once when I was 14 and I was, you know, very heavy and it was limiting me. And, you know, I was like so many young people. It's very similar to what you described. Like I I thought I was a healthy kid mm-hmm. because everyone's like, I was, you know, I was vibrant and, you know, happy. And, but like the reality was like, I had terrible acne. I was very overweight. I had, I always had back pain. You know, I oh. always had back pain and like I'd have anxiety here and there. And you know, I had some, you know, digestive issues and I'm like, oh, this, I would have headaches every once in a while. And I'm kind of like, everyone has this stuff. Like it's not, my friends have acne. Like it's, it's just always like, that's whatever. And now looking back, I'm like, none of that's really normal. Like symptoms, all symptoms are a sign of underlying cellular dysfunction. Mm. There is no symptom that can arise in a vacuum. We are a body of 40 trillion cells And if you're having a symptom, it necessarily means there is cellular dysfunction. And I think at that time, I didn't see the world that way. It just seemed like this is just what happens. And so once you start to realize that 
symptoms are a gift. Symptoms are a way of your body, which can't speak in words. It's a way of them communicating Mm. to you what they need to essentially be able to relax and just thrive. Mm -hmm. And so I look back at that and I just think it's so interesting how I think a lot of us, Mark Hyman calls it like FLC syndrome. We're all, we all have feel like crap syndrome. Yeah. And it's so normal that we don't even realize that it's abnormal. But then when you realize that like a symptom is by definition cellular dysfunction and cellular dysfunction is rectified by how we change our environment, like it's I think it's quite empowering. But it does mean, like you said, like we have to kind of do that that work. The second time was when I was applying to medical school and you know, it was kind of like end of college, stressful time. I packed on a lot of, I like basically lost all the weight when I was 14, gained it back in college, then lost it again. And then went to residency when I went to surgical residency, which was really like the first time in my life that I had no control over my life. It was like cafeteria food every day. Yeah, of course. Not sleeping multiple You're nights just trying a week, to survive. Trying to survive. And it's interesting. I didn't gain weight again, but I developed a lot of other symptoms, depression, the acne came back. I had chronic neck pain. You know, I just, oh, I had horrible IBS, like just terrible. My gut just like didn't know how to form stool anymore. And so that was an interesting experience because I kind of, it was the third time I was 27. And I'm like, it really solidified for me. Like one, I'm a doctor. I just graduated from Stanford <laughs> Medical School and I literally don't know how to be healthy. Like, You're this like, is a I problem. I can't even go to the bathroom. Like, yeah, like, wh- and it made me feel like a hypocrite because I'm course, just like, of course. and doctors are very sick people in America. Yeah. Like, they're they're dying from all the same chronic diseases at the same rates as all the other Americans. And it just makes you, I was just like, I got to figure this out. Mm. So I actually took time off during my surgical training and kind of just committed to like really healthy living and I reversed all those symptoms. And then from then, and now it's been 10 years since then. And I think at this point, it's just so dialed in. Like yeah. I now have a framework to understand what's happening when things go off. And so I know kind of what to do. And totally. and fundamentally, it comes down to really, I think, thinking about, you know, symptoms that way. Like these are these are signals from the body that it's either not getting what it needs to function or it's overburdened with something it does not need. Mm-hmm. And then just looking at my life and taking stock of all the different pillars of choice I have. I have choice around food. I have choice around sleep. I have choice around stress management and I ha- how I deal with the stressors in my life. I have choice around movement. I have choice around the light that I'm exposing myself to during the day or at night. I have light. I have choice about temperature and I have choice about the toxins that I'm exposed to. Those are really like the pillars of choice that I have and the ways that we kind of communicate with ourselves. And so I'll just like take a run through, take stock of it and figure out like where I'm hitting the mark and where I'm not. And this is a framework that I present in the book to really sort of like look at, you know, and look really honestly, like where are you crushing and where are you not? But like, especially heading into like the motherhood phase of life, I kind of think about it like, yeah, I have 40 trillion cells that are like my babies and they can't communicate with me and their screaming is a symptom. Mm. And there's like a limited set of things that they either do or don't want. Mm -hmm. Like with a baby, it's like, it's like a diaper change. It's sleep, food, Mm -hmm. maybe temperature. And like for the cells, it's the things I just mentioned. Yeah. And so just run through and like, you know, just like it's, it involves work to take care of a baby. It, take, it takes work to take care of our bodies. But like ultimately what you get is like bliss. Yeah, so. totally. <laughs> well, it becomes so second nature. Like I wake up like someone, one of my friends the other day and she was telling me that she, this is, she was like, I go to the bathroom twice a week. I was like, are you dying? Right. 
I was the whole table was like, oh, what? Like, and I and I, she was like, yeah. And I was like, are you taking magnesium? Because I, I was like outside of the all, but I was like, you gotta take it. And she was like, no. And she's like, well, what do you do? And so I, I was like, you know, I take magnesium every night, and sometimes I take a prebiotic at night if I need extra help. But I have fiber all day long. Really, I try to always like add fiber, and then I drink lots of water. And and then I was like, I take my probiotic in the morning with apple cider vinegar lemon and I put salt in there and I chug that first thing in the morning. She was like, how do you have time for that? But it's so funny. Like me four years ago would have been like, yeah, I'm just surviving. Like, Mm. like I'm rolling out of bed. There's no way I could, but then you start building these habits yeah, and you start to feel a little good. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, Oh my God, you know, big habit of mine since I become pregnant is to walk three miles almost every day Mm -hmm. as much as I can't, you know? And it's like, is it hard? Yeah. But then I I can take a call while I'm on my walk or I can do half of it. It's like a walk around the house, but I'm, you know, it's just like, I can make these choices that I know make me feel really, really good. And especially I think we like talk about fucking diet and culture. How about every movie we've ever watched? Pregnant women have been, slaves to tubs of ice cream and pregnancy cravings. And yes, those things pop up and it's super fun and cute to fulfill those cravings with your partner and go get a late night bag of chips or a late night scoop of ice cream. And that's great. But if I were to eat ice cream every day, I don't know how I would, I couldn't and try to work. Yeah. It's not happening. Mm. And then the recovery from the pregnancy would have been, my recovery from Carmela was rough. Yeah. Like, because I just didn't have, I thought I was doing all the right things. Yeah. And I just, I think Ugh. I was like eating too much and, and I was working out too hard. Yeah. Yeah. How'd you get out of the mud? Like, I just couldn't, it was like, because I had so many friends who were, who had had kids and they were like, you lose weight. And by the way, it's like, I don't know. I, I like I read so much shit about myself online where people are like, I'm obsessed with losing weight postpartum. I'm allowed to lose to get back to the weight I was before. Like, sorry. You know, like when you it gets very hard when you have an extra 80 pounds on you or 70 pounds on you or something and you can't. And I also design clothes. I'm front facing, you know, so it's if I can't if things aren't fitting me well and they used to and I can. So anyway, and I felt awful. I had yeah. no energy. It was really, really tough. So I finally, I was looking at my friends and they were all like, listen, when you get out of the hospital, like a lot, half the weight's gone. You know, the baby's got, your stomach is still big with like the fluid, your placenta, the baby, you know, a lot of stuff. And then it, they're like, you, it just falls off. You breastfeed and like it'll eventually fall off and you'll probably have to work hard you know, make some changes and work out a little bit harder for like that last 15 pounds. And I was like, okay, I could do that. I could do that. Even if it's 25 pounds, like, you know, I've done that before multiple times in my life, but literally seven months after I gave birth, I was the same weight Mm. as I walked out of the hospital. Mm -hmm. And I only lost like 15 pounds in the hospital. So I was still like 190 Mm -hmm. for like six months after I gave birth. And I was like, well, this is not what fucking everybody told me yeah what's gonna happen and you know when you're in that slump where you don't feel then oh fuck it i'll have another glass of wine i'll go just give me the ice cream just like oh yeah and like by the way i still have all those things but then i just i couldn't take it anymore yeah and i found it i had pcos and then i started and then i did a podcast with you yeah and i was like blood sugar this is a blood sugar thing Mm. it was like blood sugar the right kinds of workouts 
you know, it was really, and I started really managing my PCOS mm. and I documented that. Weight Watchers, WW is a really great, helps you get into like a calorie deficiency. Really, And you know what else? TikTok. Yeah. If you go on TikTok and you type in blood sugar, PCOS, calorie deficiency, like there are so many wonderful, normal women across this country who show their before and afters and the choices they're making all day long. And like they'll show the meal they have with their partners on Friday nights, having fun and enjoying themselves. But they'll take their apple cider vinegar beforehand yeah. and they'll mix it with a little bit of this. And then they'll try and see if they could do a little, you know, it's like it all can be done. And yeah. so I just felt like I was a part of this like community. And I had a lot of women who were like really helpful, especially with the PCOS stuff. Yeah. The parallel formula PCO, the parallel PCOS formula has uh berberine and both kinds of inositol, alpha-lipoic acid, those supplements really wow. help. Yeah. And once you see the ball rolling, it's I'm sure because you've been through this yes. process, you're just like, you just oh want to keep God. going. Yeah. The yeah. same and way you, you want to drown when you feel bad. Yes. You want to go, you want to just run when yeah. you hit that stride yeah. too, you know? So that was really helpful. That's amazing. And I think, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's not a linear journey. Like you just talked about. And I, I talk about this a little bit in the book, which is that like the framework I'm presenting and the framework that I think we need to orient around in terms of our wellness conversation is like, does it help the mitochondria or not? Because mm. the mitochondria in our country are devastated. Like the the actual part of the cell that produces the energy for our cells to function properly. And so it's a real like orientation around like, how do these different things we all talk about, like cold plunging and eating organic food and zone two training and walking? How does it all actually impact? What's zone two training? Oh my gosh. <laughs> zone two, two training is like this way of exercising that basically keeps your heart rate at a pretty like low amount. So it's about like 50 to 65% of your max heart rate and doing it for like a long time. Cool. And the idea is that zone two training actually is like a unique type of stimulus for our mitochondria. I to, feel that way when I do hot yoga. Yeah. Like hot yoga. Because it's walking. so much breath control. Yeah. Like I don't have, my heart's not pounding. Yes. But I'm working. And yes. Feels, that's, that it pushes sense. them in like a unique way versus like high intensity interval training, which is like super high heart rate. That's like more like zone five, which is a different energetic signal to your mitochondria. Yeah. Like all these different things are just different energetic signals. And so zone two is <clears throat> kind of a nice like like unlock because it's not that hard and you just yeah. kind of have to. But it's really good for mitochondrial biogenesis, like basically more mitochondria. But what I say in the book is like. There's so many different ways to positively affect the mitochondria, which ultimately is the blood sugar conversation It's like, how do you unlock the power of the body to process more glucose to energy so mm -hmm. that we have our life force back yeah. like, and don't FLC feel like crap? And if one is just feeling like totally inaccessible to you at one moment in your life, like do a different one. Yeah. They all help the mitochondria, all those vectors we talked about. And so do what feels alive for you because small wins beget more Abs wins. And, it's a, and then celebrate the win mm -hmm. and then just keep going. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people like you'll say, well, you got to sleep better. Like you got you got to like people with insomnia. Well, you need to just really got to focus on the sleep. And there's a lot of things we can do for sleep. But the, the reality is, is that actually like our mitochondria are not working properly, not only is a cause, but it's also an effect of mm. sleep deprivation or sleep deprivation. And so if that one's just really not feeling like something you can control, maybe you're a new mom or there's just a lot going on with sleep. 
focus on the food first or like yeah. focus on the walking or mm-hmm. something like that. And what is going to happen is that it's going to help your mitochondria work better, which is actually going to help your sleep. So it's like, just choose one of the ones that feels most exciting to you and like really try and then celebrate it. And the wins are going to kind of beget other wins and make other things. So sometimes it's like getting at your goal from like the side essentially, mm-hmm. because they all feed into the same pathway fundamentally. What are some of your daily habits that you, I mean, on an ideal day, like, and you're hitting all of them? Oh my Which gosh. Which is hard, I'm sure, because you're traveling so much right now in yeah. the book. And- yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Like I, I actually, I've made some big changes in my life recently to basically make it easier to do some of these things. Like I was living in Bend, Oregon when I, we started Levels and I was in residency in Portland. I was in residency in Port, for in Portland. Then we started Levels and I ended up staying in Portland. And then I moved to Bend, Oregon, which is like a small mountain town and wrote the book. And I was there and I'm like, I just didn't like know a lot of people and it snowed six months a year. And there were like, I I didn't have a yard or anything. And so like, there were all these (laughs) things that like, I was realizing like were inhibitors for me to like do the healthy behavior. So I literally like moved to LA in part because I'm like, I want to make it easier for me to like have community and eat with people, which we know is actually really, really good for our health Mm -hmm. to be able to be outside more months of the year, to be able to have like yards that I can like get outside for a second, just like things like that. So, I mean, frankly, like part of it is just like making life decisions that are in alignment with like, what's going to make it for you easiest to be healthy. And sometimes those are like big decisions. Yeah. Another part of that decision was like, there was bend is 60,000 people and I was 35 and single. And like, I wanted to like, (laughs) like LA has 9 million people. And like, I was like, so it's just like, you know, I think the point I'm trying to make is that like sometimes it actually takes making bold decisions in your life to kind of like move towards a, an ecosystem that's going to be easier to be healthier. And for me, that was moving to LA and it actually has really come to fruition. I would say I have a lot more sunlight. I was, you know, et cetera. So for me, it's like I wake up. The first thing I do is go outside because I want to get those photons in my eyeballs. You know, you hear about this on Huberman and everything, but basically it's like how long do you need to do that? Can I just open a window and peek my head out for a second? Or I need to like stand outside. This is the thing. I think I think getting outside is important, not just the window for a couple of reasons. One, it's like it's inspiring. It makes you feel good. Like being yeah. outside, we spend the average American spends six percent of their time outdoors. Oh, whoa. Which I think is just a travesty, <laughs> you know, yeah, like this crazy. concept of indoors is whoa. like relatively modern in human history. And we yeah. live on this like spectacular planet. And I think so much of actually what's causing us to be feel down is the fact that we're so disconnected with our source. Like our source is the earth. Every podcast I have with a doctor at some point in the conversation, it says we have lost our connection to nature. Yeah. Well, I think it's the fundamental reason why we're chronically ill. Like Mm -hmm. we come from the earth. We will go back to the earth. All the energy that fuels our consciousness and our life fundamentally starts at the sun you know, photons travel 92 million miles through space. They're absorbed by the chloroplast of plants. That glucose is stored in the carbon-carbon bonds of carbohydrates in plants, which either get eaten by animals that we eat or they get eaten by us. Mm -hmm. We, through our mitochondrial function, unlock that solar energy to make ATP to power our consciousness, our feelings, our life. It's so (laughs) freaking incredible. You know what's funny? When you get very scientific like that, I felt this way when I was pregnant the first time. It just makes you believe in God. It, 100%. Just, it's too perfectly designed. Yeah. I mean, think about this. 
We eat 70 metric tons of food in our lifetime. Oh my God. It comes from the earth. 70 metric tons, about one ton per year. And that food not only totally impacts our gene expression and sort of like our fate, but it also is the molecular material that is constantly recreating the next version of our body, like the version of tomorrow, the version of next week. Like the food on your counter is you of next week. That's the reality. That's so awe-inspiring to me. So it's like, you know, this we're literally good mitochondrial function set in a different way, like a more spiritual way is an increased ability to harness light energy into human energy oh and insulin resistance. Mm. And anything that blocks that is the blocking of converting cosmic energy to human energy. Wow! And that really motivates me because the mitochondria, this is also a fascinating thing. Olivia, will you mark this for like <laughs> what the video needs? To be? Yes. Just because this is just unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. I no. think about this. I think about this every morning. Like I literally, yeah. I literally think about this. I think, I mean, the, the, the ninth chapter of the book, my absolute favorite chapter is called Fearlessness, the highest level of good energy. And I think that awe is the antidote to fear. Oh. And I think that in our distraction industrial complex, on our phones, capitalism, you know, honestly, like, part of the dark side of feminism, I would say so many good things, but one is that mm-hmm. it's like, gotta be doing everything. You gotta work all the time. There's uh, no rest. It's like, we're so moving so fast that we literally have locked ourselves in a box all day for 94% of the time on this spectacular planet that we're on. And we have separated ourselves from the light that we unlock for consciousness, the food that literally every day when we're eating, we 3D print the next version of our body. Oh, pregnancy, wow. literally yeah. pregnancy is the 3D printing of a human from food. Like, it's just so freaking awesome. And I think the more we can create space in our life to be outside, to meditate on the miracle of being here, the more it creates a baseline sense of abundance, Mm -hmm. a baseline sense of awe that puts us into a totally better state, a parasympathetic nervous system state. And ultimately... I think is the foundation of making good lifelong health decisions, you yeah, know, absolutely. and so and those daily decisions. Yeah, you start your day out so there that's like why that. I like to yeah. get outside in the morning because I'm like, Davide used to do it every morning. Now I'll lay in bed a little bit longer and kind of like cuddle with him and the dogs. Yeah. But like he used to rush himself. He's he's losing it right now with stress and there's no management in his every day to have a moment to. T- I mean, he's just surviving at yeah. this point. And he doesn't feel good. And I've yeah. been saying this for like six months now. And it's not going to be until he gets his labs back from Dr. Lekos and he sees what's happening to his body on paper. Yeah. Or something serious happens to his body that he's going to have one of those aha moments where he needs to yeah. like learn how to manage everything. And I'm not his mom, so I can't. And I've been through it and he needs to go through it, unfortunately, because I'm not going to bark at him. But like... I truly I see the difference in stages of him very clearly as my partner when he wakes up and goes in the light, when he makes healthier food decisions, when he works out, when he goes, gets his exercise, you know, when he's doing right things for his body. He's like, I feel great. And I'm like, yeah, it's funny. You've been doing those like four little things. You know what I mean? And it makes like such a big difference. Yeah. And it basically allows you to be more of a channeler of energy. Mm -hmm. Like that's fun. I think we're all kind of stagnated we're constipated. No one's saying what they really feel. Mm-hmm. We're literally not allowed, we're, we're, our cells are literally not allowing glucose to be taken up for energy to convert to, to ATP. Like everything is blocked at, on every level, psychological, cellular. And I think we really need to 
focus on like opening up all these channels. Mm -hmm. Like we need to be dancing. We need to be creative. We need to be supporting our mitochondria. So we release our insulin resistance and the block to energy flow through the body. Yeah. Like speaking authentically. Like I think everyone with digital media, there's like the cancel culture and everything. We have become afraid. I think well, you can't say anything because if you your can. opinion is different to somebody else's than somebody like I don't say fucking anything. And I say a lot, but I don't say anything because we everybody thinks that your opinion should be the same as theirs. And when it's different, it's a fight. There's no real conversation. So I'm like, I leave those conversations to real life because it becomes about how quick the comment can happen and yeah. how mean and quick it is. And it's not, it's just another, it's like a, it's such a sub form of like human communication. Yeah. It's not real. So yeah. because it's just about this yeah. outward shitting on someone yeah. and that gets people off in a way. And so it's like, yeah, I know that's like, that's like a healthy almost where I'm like disengaged. But I think those conversations need to start happening with your friends where you're like, you know what? I was thinking about this and like that really bothers, you know, yes. it's like, you know, just having with your partner, partner yeah. or even just think like, like interesting things. And in, like, I think it's so healthy to have like, like everyone's always like, don't bring up politics. But I'm like, I think it's so healthy to have like a political discussion with your friends where you can say what you think and yeah. learn something. I mean, we stopped learning. Yeah. We're learning so much, but we're not. But hold on. I want to get back to more of like what you do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I want to so, give people active. Yeah. I want to give people like real time things that they can implement yeah. and get inspired to implement into their life. Yeah. So one thing, yeah, I love to do, if you have a balcony, if you have a yard, whatever, we all have to brush our teeth every morning, two, three minutes. So brush right. your teeth outside. Yeah. Like yeah. it's a, it's habit stacking. Mm -hmm. It's like atomic habits. It's totally. like you start brushing your teeth, go open the front door, walk outside. It's so easy. Cute. And then you feel so good. And mm -hmm. like it, it begets more wins. So that's one thing. I think just on the light side, I mean, basically people, the research has shown very, very clearly that the more time we spend outdoors during the day, mm -hmm. the healthier we are and the lower risk of chronic disease. And this is probably for so many reasons. It's good for our nervous system. We get more vitamin D. Air is more polluted indoors than outdoors. So mm -hmm. we want to just basically spend more time outdoors. And so I think one thing that, that I do every day is think about what activities that I normally do inside can I just do outside? Like, that could literally be like chopping vegetables on the table right outside my kitchen versus doing yeah. them in the counter inside. It could be when my partner gets home, instead of sitting down and chatting, we take a walk and chat. It's taking a call outside. It's doing that. The same is true, I think, for movement. It's like, how can you just take stock of everything that you do every day and then convert some of those things to walking? So mm -hmm. this could be getting a walking pad under your desk and trying to walk while you're on the computer. It could be walking and be outside when you're catching up with a friend or partner at the end of the day. It's, you know, I do a lot of friendship dates that are friendship walks dates that are walks instead of inviting. I'm like, I'm at that stage of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, when do you want to go on a walk? <laughs> yeah. Instead of drinks, cocktails, mm -hmm. or even coming over for dinner, I'll meet you at Runyon Canyon. I'll meet you at Temescal, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it's like doing and just making that kind of like the default. How can, if you're going to have an event at your house, instead of it being a cocktail party, can it be a yoga class? Can it be something that's like more movement? So it's just like reframing. Like we know that the more we have low grade movement throughout the day and the more we're outside each day, by far the healthier and happier we are going to be. And it lowers our risk of chronic illness. So just taking stock of the activities you ever, you do every day and getting creative about how you can either move it outside, do it moving or standing or better yet do both. Like 
the farmer's example, the farmer's market is like a great example. Like you could literally sit indoors and buy your groceries online, which of course I do sometimes. Or you can move and be outside and do it mm-hmm. at the farmer's market and connect with people growing your food. So like in terms of like return on investment on that time, it's like high on multiple levels, yeah. not just the good food. So brush my teeth outside. I start every day with my partner. We meditate for just 10 minutes outdoors in the grass. We do a meditation typically a guided meditation that's focused on it's sort of like in the Joe Dispenza realm that's really focused on like tapping into the limitless potential of life which is the reality like there's infinite possibility Mm -hmm. every day like anything could happen literally Mm -hmm. like we could fly to China right now you and I could just like like anything can happen and we need to realize that anything like someone literally could walk up and hand you a million dollars so Starting the day in the grass grounding in the sunshine with a loved one thinking about the limitless possibility of the day is probably the most important thing that I do and just, you know, opens the mind Mm -hmm. all free so far also, by the way. Mm -hmm. And we're now it's only 20 minutes, right? Like we're um, in the beginning of the day. Then I make my coffee. I drink organic coffee with a2 organic grass-fed milk. I, I love. am drinking A2. It's I, so good. That's why I was talking to my mom before I, because she was like, we're out of milk. And she's like, I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. I said, you have to go get my A2 milk. A2. Alexander Farms. <sighs> the red and white one. It's Obsessed. I am so addicted to that milk yeah. in the morning. For people who don't know, casein, which is one of the most common proteins in milk, there's different genetic strains of it. The more like European strain is this A2 genetic strain of casein, which has been shown to be less inflammatory to the human body, basically. Mm-hmm. And so A2 milk, it's now in stores, which is amazing, grass-fed, and froth it with a scoop of five grams of creatine. So that's for like the brain health and the muscle health. Oh, do I need creatine? You need creatine. Cool. Yeah. I put collagen in it. Yeah. Co- you could do a little collagen, little creatine. Can I take creatine when I'm pregnant? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I can't do five when you're pregnant. I know. I know. <laughs> Get but- ready for that. <laughs> So that's that. Put in the coffee. And yeah, then I start my day. And, you know, if I'm not like... That's cool to know that you take creatine every day. I do. It's a powder. I use Momentus. You literally cannot taste it. And there's amazing research that shows that it's like Alzheimer's prevention, keeps your muscle mass high. So that's that's really good. And and it used to be like a a bro supplement. Yeah. And now there's like a whole like rebrand happening (laughs) for women, which is great. Like, so it's not in like the big black like containers that's like, you know, get jacked now. It's like it's like a nice classy thing. So, (laughs) yeah. So now we're at like 7 a.m. But yeah. And then I usually like start my day. I'll I'll try and take a walk around the block just to get a few steps and be outdoors a little bit more. But that doesn't always happen right away. I, do, I don't typically eat right away. We actually, I I typically fast the every, we, we try and fast every week actually from Sunday night to Tuesday morning. So that's like a 36 hour fast. Um, I hear so many different opinions on it. It didn't do any, it, it was very hard. I fasted for years until between 12 and noon. Yeah. But with my PCOS, like yeah. having my coffee, and then, but doesn't, doesn't A2, won't that, that breaks your fast, no? Yeah, this is the thing that I, where I, how I feel about fasting. Yes, in a sense, it breaks the fast. But like, at the end of the day, if I'm fasting, and, and I mean, yes, on the molecular level, maybe it's like stopping autophagy and like kind of, but if in 36 hours, I'm having 45 calories of milk and like four grams of protein of milk in my coffee, I'm kind of like, and yet I have built all that metabolic flexibility. Mm. Like 
I'm not too worried about the coffee. Totally, and if yeah. it gets me to do the fast, just because I had that 45 had it, calories, yeah, I'm like, great, that's better than not yeah. doing it. I do not recommend it. It really disrupted hour. my hormones. Yeah. But that, I mean, I have really bad PCOS. Yeah. And this is where, this is a point I make in the book that I think is so important. Like we're talking about what I like to do. Yeah. And I feel fucking awesome. Yeah. And that's great. No one else should do what I'm doing. Totally. I don't think you should trust doctors. I don't think you should trust influencers. I don't think you should trust, quote unquote, the sign-ins. I don't think you should trust me. You should trust yourself. Totally. You should trust your body. And we live in the most incredible time in human history because right now we have the best of everything. We really do. We have access to wearables, biosensors, and direct-to-consumer lab testing that we can order without talking to a doctor. Totally. That get delivered straight to our email. Mm -hmm. We have access to the internet to every major global tradition's wisdom on health from Ayurvedic medicine to Chinese medicine to mm -hmm. indigenous culture and Native American medicine, all accessible that we can read about. There's books about it. And we have an understanding that symptoms are a gift and they are a way of your body talking to you, asking for what it needs. So between the incredible tools of modernity, biowearables, biosensors, regular wearables, direct-to-consumer lab testing, body intuition, body awareness, you know, somatic awareness, interoception, and all of the incredible wisdom of traditional cultures that we can access with a book or at a click, plus everyone has access to PubMed and can just take a look at all the science that's basically ever been published. We have the potential <laughs> yeah. to have the longest and happiest lives in human history and to take control of our own health, like really be the CEO of our own health, make decisions, experiment, try a different dietary strategy, try a fasting strategy, and then see literally in real time yep. how it's affecting you mm -hmm. and your hormones. Like I use a continuous glucose monitor when I fast and a ketone monitor. I know if I'm burning fat or not. It's not a mystery. And so I think that this is incredibly empowering. And if all of that sounds like too much, just start by focusing on the symptoms and yeah. the body awareness. How do yeah, you I wanna, feel I when you're talk fasting? About that. Yeah. What are, you know, just to like round this out. Yeah. If you're, what are symptoms that you want to say to anybody listening? Like these are the 10 things or the five things. These are super red flaggy. Yeah. And here's what you need to go yeah. do about it. Well, maybe I'll mention sort of like the five very basic biomarkers that right. can tell you about whether you have good energy or bad energy, which is basically metabolic health or not, and then some of the more subjective symptoms. So really the easiest thing we can do, which are cheap, they'll do them at your annual physical and then can really tell you where you are on this spectrum of metabolic health is five things. One, triglyceride levels. So, mm. and for, I'll preface this by saying that to to be categorized as optimally metabolically healthy. It means being in the normal ranges for what I'm about to list, not on medication. And if you're part of this group, it represents only 6.8% of American adults, which is wild. So it's triglycerides under 150 milligrams per deciliter, fasting glucose under 100 milligrams per deciliter, triglycerides under 150 milligrams per deciliter, blood pressure under 135 or 80 and waist circumference less than 35 inches for women or 40 inches for men. So if all those things are true, not on medication. Waist circumference? Yeah. Waist oh, wow. circumference. And waist circumference is one of the five criteria for metabolic I syndrome. Just went, I wonder what mine is. And I was like, I'm pregnant. You're pregnant. <laughs> yeah. This does not count if you're pregnant. 
But because wow, that's so interesting. Waist circumference is a proxy metric for abdominal fat. And oh, abdominal yeah, yeah. fat, otherwise known as visceral fat. The visceral fats, which is so bad. Is one of the three types of fats. And it's the one that it's one that we know is really associated with. Cardi B talked about this. Have Did you seen she? this video? No. Olivia, have you seen this? I don't think I have either. Cardi B was like, did like a day. She's like, I'm going to do my first day in the life and like did a day in the life. And she was like working out. And she was like, I know all of you are wondering, like, why am I working out when I got all the fat sucked out of my stomach? But it's but it's not the outside fat that's bad. It's the inside fat that's bad. She's like, we got to work on the inside fat. Yes. You got to work out. You got to work. Out. <laughs> so perfect. I was like, this fucking woman is such a little she cracks me up I know and, yeah, but, yeah yeah but I was like that's what I was like she's talking about visceral fat she literally <laughs> is she literally is I love that go Cardi I know it was incredible like, it was, I was like okay now she's talking I was like she clearly has like good you know like nutrition information right. a in functional medicine yeah, doctor was, like yeah. somebody's telling you know that's like when finally people get it's why like so many rich people are just like I'm gonna live forever because once you yeah. have it's funny like I mean it's just obviously so much of this comes with so much privilege but there are just so many things you could do on a daily basis that are free absolutely no almost everything we've talked about right now so absolutely. far i mean mm -hmm. other than like buying real organic like food from the farmer's market obviously that's not yeah. free but a lot of the other stuff is mm -hmm. and yeah, so the visceral fat like this is the fat there's three types of fat there's subcutaneous fat visceral fat and intracellular fat and subcutaneous fat which is the fat that you can kind of like see with like you know under the arm whatever like that fat actually like doesn't kill us. It's yeah. not dangerous fat, It's which is interesting, but it often is associated and sort of linearly correlates with the amount of visceral fat, which is the fat that's mm. gonna cause disease and you know is associated with premature mortality. The visceral fat is the fat on the inside of the body that's covering the organs and can be present in thin people, seemingly thin people, because it's kind of just this layer around our organs that makes them more dysfunctional. And it's caused by insulin resistance, which is fundamentally rooted in mitochondrial dysfunction. Wow. And so that's the fat that we want to avoid. Waist circumference tells us a proxy metric of that. So those are the five biomarkers. And literally, you can just go into your electronic health record and look at your like labs that your doctor ordered last year. And those are all very standard and okay. usually free each year. So, you know, listen to the episode, see where you stand on those. I will say like not the most so kind of an unfortunate follow up on that is that those are sort of like what the what the standard scientific bodies say are like normal ranges. But actually, if we want to be like super, super metabolically healthy, the ranges are a little bit tighter. So mm -hmm. I said triglycerides less than 150. Actually, we want to probably shoot for triglycerides less than 100 for optimal oh, wow. health. Okay. Fasting glucose less than 100. But we actually want to shoot for 70 to 85 milligrams per deciliter fasting glucose for, oh, I don't know if I mentioned, sorry, in, the, in that first list, I might've only list, listed four. It's also HDL cholesterol. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you with the Cardi B story. No, 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 no. HDL, so sorry about that. So HDL cholesterol for women, you want it above 50 milligrams to deciliter and for men above 40 milligrams to deciliter. That's the good cholesterol. So you want it higher. For that one, optimal is actually probably 60 to 90. So even higher. So if we're actually saying like, people in the United States who are like truly metabolically healthy, it's probably less than like two, 2% of people. It's 6.8 if we use those percent, if we use those normal ranges. So, but the good news is if, if you're falling into that category, that means that like, like good energy processes are probably at play. And if you're not, then there's like lots of things we can do. All of this stuff is totally modifiable very, very quickly. Yep. Like I've seen fasting glucose drop 20 points in two weeks. Oh, I've wow. seen triglycerides drop a hundred points in a month. Like it's very modifiable. In terms of actual like symptoms, I mean, I think some of the really big ones would be, are people feeling tired? 
Like if you're tired, like let's think about what metabolism is. Metabolism is how we convert food energy to cellular energy. It's how we convert food energy to energy that powers our lives. Yeah. Fatigue and being tired all the time is literally like low energy, not just in a metaphorical sense. Yeah. It's low energy production in the body. It is like one of the top things that primary care doctors see is just like feeling fatigued. Totally. So that's a definite sign. Like like if you're feeling tired all the time and don't have the get up and go, we should be looking at our blood sugar. We should be looking at our triglycerides. We should be looking at our metabolic health. The second would be like difficulty losing weight that you want to lose. Like if you're, if you have the belly fat and it's really stuck and kind of not coming off, like that could be a sign that insulin resistance is at play. And I think what we really need to remember is that the brain is a very, very energy hungry organ. It uses 20% of the body's energy, despite being only 2% of the body's weight. So it needs lots of energy to function. So if we have a metabolic problem where our body's having trouble making cellular energy, the brain is going to get hit extra hard. And an underpowered brain cell can manifest as lots of different symptoms that we're dealing with today, depending on like where in the brain this is like most hitting. Yeah. So we look at depression, anxiety, migraine, chronic pain, and Alzheimer's dementia. Oh, wow. All brain issues, all deeply related to metabolic dysfunction because a brain that's not getting enough energy is going to show symptoms. That's what's going to happen. Wow. So I, de- I definitely feel like a big motivator to, to focus on all the different things that ultimately generate mitochondrial function, metabolic health is to support the brain's intense, intense energy needs. And, you know, this can, again, be across like the whole spectrum of the, the different things that we talked about, food, sleep, exercise, stress, toxins, light, temperature, movement, but essentially just getting the brain what it needs to, to produce energy to basically then ameliorate those, those symptoms. And so, yeah, again, not the only thing that's causing some of these symptoms, but certainly one of the modifiable things that we can make sure we optimize to, you know, give ourselves the best shot. And one other thing I just want to quickly mention, because we were talking about like belly fat and insulin resistance. Another test that I just recommend like everyone in the world get Mm. above and beyond those five biomarkers we talked about, fasting glucose, triglycerides, HGL, waist circumference, and blood pressure is fasting insulin. Because if fasting insulin levels are high, Mm -hmm. it is a sign that we have insulin resistance, which is rooted in metabolic dysfunction. I don't know if you've ever had that one tested, but if it's in a low and healthy range, like two to six, that's a great sign that our body is like churning through energy properly. We're able to take glucose out of the cell and, and, and turn it to cellular energy. When that insulin starts rising above six, above 10 into the twenties and thirties, it's a sign that our cells are essentially putting up a block to allowing more glucose to get in because the mitochondria are so broken that they can't process that glucose to energy. So it blocks it from coming Uh, into the cell. Mm. And therefore the body's like, we're going to produce way more insulin to try and drive the glucose in. Yeah. So it's a very key indicator of some type of dysfunction happening here. And what we know is that like, if the insulin levels drop, a lot of these symptoms that we're talking about get better. Insulin resistance is very much associated with so many of these, you know, conditions that we're talking about. And yeah, so 
that's that's just a, a test that I super encourage you to uh, ask your doctor for and then basically ignore whatever they tell you the normal range is and really <laughs> focus on like definitely having it less than 10, ideally between about two and six. Thank you so much for this. It's just must be so interesting to have so much information. <laughs> I mean, truly to like live life knowing the cause and effect of so many things is just incredible. And thank you for, you know, providing all of us. You talked about how lucky we are to have access to so much information. And now you're a huge part of that with levels and your podcast and this gorgeous book, which is so, by the way, the the cover of this is so great. Thank you. Where is good energy available? Everywhere. Fabulous. <laughs> Amazon, <laughs> Barnes and Nobles, small bookstores, my website, caseymeans.com slash good energy. Good. Yeah. Pretty much if you Google it, it'll it'll show up. <laughs> well, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. And that, ladies and gentlemen, concludes this week's episode of Everything is the Best. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Maybe leave a comment. But remember, shitty comments are for shitty people. Go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Pia Barangini. And I hope you have a fabulous, fabulous rest of your day. Love you. Ciao. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.